Welcome to another episode of Taz Racing's Week in Review podcast, a wagering-focused look back at the recent thoroughbred meetings in Tasmania. I'm Matt Reid on behalf of tazracing.com.au and on this week's show I'll be looking at last Sunday's eight-race program in Devonport. It was a decent day of racing we had up there on the carpet. Eight different trainers had a winner. The only multiples for either a trainer or jockey was the double that Troy Baker rode. He had the last two winners of the day. It's a funny betting race to kick things off as the winner Merv decides has taken an absolute bath in the betting, 260 out to 550, but did it fairly easy. Remember to Lucinar had an awkward draw, but he was able to slot in midfield with cover and peeled off the leaders at the top of the straight and then put the race away fairly quickly. Um, unlucky not to win a maiden last campaign, Merv decides, and with a strong SP profile, I thought he deserved to be a clear favourite in this field. I actually marked him about 380, um, and you can get my assessed prices on race morning in the Form Plus Pro plans. Look, I, I had to work around him for the staking strategy at 260 on, on race morning, but uh, he absolutely got out to a backable price come race time. I think the drift probably coming with uh, a poor draw and I guess uh, trainers and jockeys that uh, don't have a, a, a high winning strike rate. They actually fell out of trees here for GG Enough Speed, who was 260 into a dollar seventy five, and I guess that's why the winner drifted too. Punners put their faith in the now three-year-old and the two-year-old form from last prep, which, to be frank, I think needs to be proven and, if anything, isn't holding up overly strongly. Uh, look, the favourite kicked up to hold the lead on the rail, but with pressure to her outside, you, you never really felt comfortable if you took the shorts, and she was beaten early in the straight. Uh, maybe ridden a touch upside down, GG, enough speed. She was certainly allowed to find her feet and work home in her runs as a two-year-old. So you can perhaps be forgiving there, and, and certainly a lot of punters thought she was the one in this race. Shabon Delago, first starter, six fifty out the $12, was in the middle of that three-wide line on the speed, but probably worried him out of things a bit on debut. Belmista was the three-wide horse up on the speed, and a slight drift of five fifty out the six fifty, but gave a really good sight for second. One at a price here that had worked very home well late was Hampton Street at $61. A uh, horse and ex-Cindy Alderson trained galloper that hadn't raced since August 2019 is now with Barry Baker. Had the fastest final 200 metres of the race by some margin and top 20 split for the entire program, which isn't bad considering there were four 1,150 metre races on the day. Um, one to keep an eye on next start as I reckon she'll be a, a big price again. I think this was a pretty shallow maiden, even though it was just over a length quicker than the benchmark 74, but that's reflective of the early crawl in that race. And them going about seven lengths slower than the class one here is perhaps a more accurate indicator of the jump that Merv decides and, and others will need to make immediately if they're to be competitive in better grade. Well supported rising light just edging a bit closer now as they come off the back. Waddell in third spot, running fourth as Tazio Riley. One lotto being urged forward as they approach the home turn and they were being tracked up by Nita Rain. Signal Hill the inside from Urban Equity. Well back in the field as they come around the home turn. Zagray is back with the tail enders, straightening up now. Under his eye tackled by rising light, but Waddell might have the pair of them now. Running down to the 250, rising light from Waddell. They are clear, running on down the the outside as Nita Rain, Waddell and Rising Light, Rising Light the inside refusing to give in, Rising Light kicking, kicking, kicking and wins, Rising Light from Waddell.
Race two, I thought arguably the most impressive win of the day was that of the heavily backed Rising Light, who was as much as $4 early, but was $2.50 come jump time and was very brave winning a maiden class one over the mile. I actually had two black pushes in this race and they ran against each other first up and, and ran the Quinella here, the other being Wardell, who was five fifty out to seven fifty. Really brave effort from Rising Light, who raced outside the leader under his eye before beating off that challenge early in the home straight. It looked like Rising Light was headed by Wardell, who was given a gun run by Brendan McCool, who landed uh, one out, one back with the run of the race. But under vigorous riding from David Perez, uh, Rising Light fought back and was pulling away from Wardell on the line with a big margin back to third. Despite racing up on that pace, Rising Light ran the fourth fastest last 200 metres of the day and the fastest if you exclude the final race of the program, which contained the top three sectionals. But based on that, you'd say they didn't go as hard in front here as maybe it looked to the naked eye, but there's no doubt about it. It was a big effort and it's well documented now, but the horse probably should have been scratched last start in Hobart when David Prez was crook, but rode the horse and in his words could barely stay on and, and was subsequently stood down after the race. An avalanche of money arrived here and it was bang on. Wardell looked to have the race shot to pieces at the top of the straight, but the winner was too good. I think at the mile or even 1880, I'm keen to stay with Wardell. Uh, one lotto, 480 out to 650 after a decent early move was sold in third. Just got the bob of, ahead of Nita Rain, who went well back from a wide draw to slot in and was just yeah, bobbed out for that final place late. Under his eye was five out to $7 and perhaps a bit disappointing from the front, given the other on-pace runner... Uh, won the race, but I think this was a deep maiden class one, particularly given the comparison to a few others we've seen in this grade over the distance in recent months. And look, I think the first four across the line will be uh, winning more races sooner rather than later. Race three was a Tazbred maiden over 13.50 and the winner wasn't eligible for the Tazbred bonus. And that was Bosch Cheyenne for trainer Peter Luttrell and Yanish Luxeman in the saddle. Drifted from $9 out to 15 bucks to come from well back in the field and grab a late victory. The 13 start maiden going into this Bosch Cheyenne. We know she's certainly no star, but she has run a few good races here and there. But this was certainly a career best. Actually finished with that eighth fastest last 200 metres of the day. So there was a bit of substance to her finish of the race. That said, the trifecta are well exposed. The beekeeper at $4 was right in the market again. Looked like he finally might break through, but was just grabbed late. And the third horse was Gigi Cloudy Bay, five out to six fifty. Both of those horses are deep into their campaigns. Uh, the second and third horses nearly pinched this by upping the tempo off the back straight, which left the chasers flat-footed. And it was only really Bosch Cheyenne that came out of the pack. Disappointments for me here were the favourite powerful Pebbles at $3. I black-booked recently, but mentioned that the carpet is a query for her. She raced a little wide at stages, but certainly did little to dispel any concerns about the surface. Uh, and I thought French Kiss was playing as well. A horse I was very keen on. I got the early price of $8 on Saturday. It was four forty come race time, but was underwriting early and, and only really one batted uh, to be edged out for fourth. It was a race where I was happy to work around the exposed horses in this one, and they eventually ran the trifecta. And even though, as I said, the winner ran home in some quick, slick closing sectionals, this doesn't look a maiden that will produce many progressive types in that overall time being a second slower than a benchmark 60, which is the following race, sort of backs up that theory.
TazRacing.com.au's new Form Plus Pro gives you even more data on all Tasmanian thoroughbred racing. Subscribe to the ultimate Tasmanian form source today. Form Plus Pro by TazRacing.com.au Speaking of the following race, a gun run and ride from Cody Jordan delivered uh, 370 into 330. Favourite reward achiever win in a benchmark 60 also over the 1350. A bit annoyed at myself for this race as I made a mess of it. Um, I was very keen on reward achiever last time at 1150, but she got well backed and finished a closing third. I wasn't sure where she'd get to in the run here. I think I marked her around about the $6 mark, but Cody pushed forward early, secured the absolute run of the race, and from there you always wanted to be on her, and ultimately she was far too good. Uh, she ran past the leader, Iskra, who was sent out a $13 chance, dropping back from a mile run the week before. Uh, we've seen enough of Iskra now in Tassie. We know that that galloper's an on-pacer and will be around the mark here as an each-way chance for a little while. Interesting that Siggy Carr's reinvented whis- weekend whiskey as a horse that can be ridden with a sit, always an on-pacer for probably the majority of weekend whiskey's career. It was 440 into 390 here, but probably got a pair too far back in the run and was stuck behind a, a tiring horse on the turn, but still worked into third. Uh, GG Baywatch, 360 out to 420, another prize check, but there has to be queries now on whether she'll win a race this campaign the longer it goes. Uh, the one I found here for the staking strategy was Master Truffles. Stiff last start, but very ordinary here. And a drift of two, 480 out to 750. Nothing in the stewards report. Maybe had enough this campaign, but I'll definitely put my hand up and say I got this one wrong as far as uh, my form goes. Race five was a benchmark 66 over the 1880 staying trip, a race that changed complexion early in the day when Possession, who was around $2.20, was scratched on vet's advice, that was a late one after scratchings had been finalised. And you can make a strong case that Possession would have won the race too as a horse he comfortably beat the week before one, and that's Dargo, who defied a bit of a drift to 15 out to 370. Uh, Dan Gannon gave this horse a dream run just behind the leaders. Every conceivable chance was Dargo, but he did take the length of the straight to grab Red Fior on the post. It was a clever ride from Peter Lou on Red Fior, who was 15 into 11, I went for home, exiting the back straight, and left the, that left the chasers sort of nailed to the track and almost pinched the winning break. A real map horse is Red Fiora. If it can find a softish lead, which he did here, he'll give plenty of cheek. But if you look at his last few starts, the, the contrary of that is just having to do too much work on the speed. Solid effort from the winner who went up in weight for the drop in grade, but did have the run of the race, that's for sure. The money horse here was Dixie's boy, 7 into 290 on the Taz Racing official price. And, I'm not exactly sure when the deductions for possession came out, but even if that is inclusive in that move, it's still some go. Maybe a shade disappointing, Dixie's boys. It was at the girth of Red Fior for much of the race, but peaked about halfway up the home straight. GD's Rock Opera backed up a mile win the week before with another good run here at 1880. Got a nice run from midfield. Uh, the horse that finished last here, high maintenance, uh, was a clear last two, but had obvious excuses. Three wide the trip and was beaten on the home turn. Uh, I do think it, around this grade and distance, I suspect we'll see these horses racing each other pretty consistently over the next few months. Maybe we'll keep an eye out for possible map favours for Red Fior, which it had here and, and can be a bet when that occurs. Ladbrokes' new bet ticker now available. Watch the exclusive live feed on your Ladbrokes app and see where the big bets land. Get 
the down low on the download. Lad Brokats. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Second leg of the quarter was one of the more anticipated races of the day, an 11.50 metre class one where we had two of last season's well-performed juveniles resuming. Uh, Outbound, who's now a three-year-old and freelancer, a four-year-old. The market singled out that pair. Outbound got in as short as two forty-five after opening four dollars and started three dollar forty. Equal favourite with Freelancer, who was always solid around that mark. The race wasn't necessarily an anti-climax, but one, two, three in the run were the first three across the line in that order. It was a real on-pace dominated affair. A heady ride from Erica Burn Burke on Outbound, who went to the front and led all the way. I read comments from Adam Trinder after the race saying he wasn't over the moon when Outbound went to the front, but was absolutely a winning move with how this race played out. Only a young horse still learning the caper is outbound and took on the older horses for the first time here, but he promises a lot and the effort to lead all the way first up was full of merit. They've gone about three lengths slower than the benchmark 62, which was the following race, so nothing spectacular against the clock, but in turn he has plenty of room for improvement. A divisor 16 into 10 and Mrs. Witten 16 into 12 rounded out the trifecta and we're taking ground off the winner late who was certainly feeling the pinch over the last 100 or so. A, a nice run from divisor who was first up at 1400 in Hobart, a, a bit plain there, then back to 11.50 here. Does have a carpet win divisor, so this run bodes well for the next few months there in Devonport. Uh, Freelancer was disappointing on face value, I thought. Slowish out of the gates, which didn't help given what I've said about where the place getters settled. But from there, his run home sectionals were only moderate compared to the rest of the field. So jury's out a little bit on Freelancer after this run. One on black booking here was Fighting Floyd, a $20 shot in this field, finished with the fastest 600, 400, 200 of the race. The sixth fastest last 200 metres of the program. Uh, resuming here was Fighting Floyd. Got well back, but savaged the line when clear after getting to the outside. I think he's a horse that doesn't necessarily like being cluttered up. Some of his poorest runs have come when drawing inside horses, but Devonpoint is clearly fine with him, and I think 13.50 will be as well. So a few options available to Image Miller and into the black book goes Fighting Floyd. Of the others, some excuses for third favourite uh, GG Real Deal. A drifter to 420 out to 650, but didn't have a lot of luck slotting in from a poor draw. Although that said, I do think the horse was well under the odds to start with. The second last race of the day, a hat trick of wins from Black Booker of mine, GG Plain, but once again, I didn't have a cent on. A 240 out to 330 GG plane. I had to swerve him at the short odds. Had to carry 61 kilos here, but a good effort from a horse having just his fourth career start. I will say, a bit like Dargo earlier, absolutely blessed in a run here, GG plane. Troy Baker saved ground behind the leaders on the rail. A gap appeared for him to get to the middle in the home straight, and that charm run was critical in a race where the margin was only 0.1 lengths. Bit of deja vu here. Trojan Storm 460 in the 340, backed once again and once again finished second. Bit stiff though, Trojan Storm held up for a run on the home turn and then had to make his run to the line hard up against the inside rail and only missed by a nose. Honest as the day is long, Trojan Storm, I certainly think he's not running second for a lack of trying, but 
Geez, the punters that keep buttering up are certainly having their patience tested with that Trojan Storm. It's almost got to the point in time where you start standing him out for second in your trifectas and first fours. Uh, the other place, get a bar shield, was first up and rattled home from well back in a very nice return for further. Um, 1350, 1650, even 1880 are fine for Bargill around Devonport. So, no shortage of options for Rowan Hamer. Um, now, an eight year old Bargill, I'm not going to bother black booking him. I think I might have even done that last preparation, but I can see myself uh, backing him down the line, that's for sure. Uh, excuses for Alshin Canson, 360 out to 460. Bit of a drifter first up. Uh, she couldn't finish the race off after having no luck getting in from a wide draw. Uh, one horse I mentioned here too, Apollo Rocket tailed off to finish last and disappointingly, whatever setback has happened uh, between Apollo Rocket's first couple of starts and now seems to really made him a, a different horse and not for the better. He promised a lot early if you look at his first couple of starts, but unfortunately doesn't appear to have come back. I'm a little bit torn as to what to make of GG play. And undoubtedly winning three of your first four starts is impressive and not something we often see. But he's had a charm run a few times now, super rides from Troy Baker. I didn't black book him from his maiden thinking he'd win in next three. But uh, we can see horses reel a few off on the carpet. Uh, Cheeky one and, and Rising Sang. Um, from this well, last season now immediately spring to mind. Whether he's a star or, or a good horse that's been well-placed and well-ridden, well, time will tell. If I had to make a call right now, I'd probably say the latter in regards to GG Plain. Last race, well, farcical three-horse field and 1150-metre benchmark 74. Once again, field size is not holding up at all at this grade. It was a ridiculous crawl early, which saw the three horses run the fastest closing splits of the program, including the winner, our little Ted, who broke 11 seconds for his last 200 metres, which is something you just don't see in Devonport. I couldn't quite understand why our little Ted wasn't the clear favourite here. Eventually, he was two twenty-five into a dollar ninety and moved ahead of Ethical Dilemma at two sixty in the market. Uh, our little Ted beat Ethical Dilemma home at the previous start on merit and then had a three and a half kilo pull in his favour. So anyway, uh, credit to the placement of Cameron Thompson with our little Ted. The horse has a very nice turn of foot, but three horse race, so not taking a heap out of it. Interesting program in Devonport. Most of the winners got really charm runs and you wanted to be on them a long way out. The the two exceptions for me were Rising Light, who was headed in the straight and kicked back, and Bosch Cheyenne, who rattled home from well off the pace and it looked like uh, the leaders were going to fight that out. I got one right when I black booked Rising Light first up. He's a nice horse and will stick with Ward L2. Uh, I doubt he'll be an each-way price next start, though. Um, not sold on powerful pebbles on the carpet, so she comes out of the black book and in goes Fighting Floyd, who I like to run on first up. So it was only a middling day for the staking strategy on Sunday. It was improvement on a zero-collect day the week prior, but a few units down if you were shopping best tote. I think I found the wrong horses in, in Chabord, Delago, French Kiss, the Master Truffles, but Thankfully, we don't have to wait long to go again with another Devonport program this Sunday. I expect that will come up fairly light in terms of numbers and field depth and the nominations, which can lend itself to being a bit of a favourite state. But anyway, we'll review that program on next week's podcast.